Amen. Appreciate that. Thank you for that song. And if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. And I want to preach on the Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father in John chapter number 5. Um, we have the greatest example of a father in the Bible uh, in, in God, our Heavenly Father. Uh, you can ask for no greater example, to be honest with you. And uh, the phrase, my father, is used in the Gospel of John more than any other book of the Bible. And uh, that's kind of amazing if you think about it, because that phrase, my father, uh, and really it's used by the Lord Jesus Christ, mostly in the book of the, of the Gospel of John. But if you think about the Gospel of John, it's not the longest of books. Uh, Psalms is the longest of books, and there's plenty of Old Testament books as well that, uh, that are much longer than the Gospel of John, but yet that phrase, my father, stands out in the Gospel of John as a phrase that is used over and over throughout the book uh, of the Gospel of John. And uh, perhaps you didn't have a godly father as an example growing up in your life, or maybe your father wasn't even involved in your life as you grew up. Uh, sometimes that happens. But there is someone who wants to be your father, that is the Heavenly Father. And even though you may be lacking in that example, and even though you may not have uh, perhaps the greatest of examples, listen, you can always look to the Heavenly Father and the example that He provides for us. I, as a father, can attest that uh, there is no father that is perfect. Uh, here on the earth, that is. Uh, obviously, the Heavenly Father is perfect. But here on the earth, listen, we, uh, though we do the best we can, we are, we are human and we fall short. And, uh, and we will make mistakes. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but our Heavenly Father, again, is the great example. And uh, we can certainly learn a lot from Him. In John chapter number 5, the Jewish leaders were not happy with Jesus because uh, on the Sabbath day, He had healed a man. By the way, the Jewish leaders were almost never happy with Jesus anyways. They did not accept him as the Messiah. Uh, they were looking for uh, a coming king that would throw off the Roman government, the dominance that was over top of them, and establish an earthly kingdom here on this earth. And when, uh, when, the, when Jesus did not do that, Boy, they were, they were out. They were disappointed. Uh, they wanted that kingdom Messiah. And, uh, and instead, he came as a, uh, as a lamb, as a sacrifice, as a salvation for you and I. And I thank God for that, to be honest with you. And so they were constantly uh, at odds with Jesus Christ. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious Jewish leaders of the day. And Jesus had just healed this man uh, who was sick on the Sabbath day. Boy, they did not like that. And, uh, and then on top of that, uh, we'll see in the text that uh, he made himself equal with God and they really wanted to stone him. Uh, they were not happy with Jesus. And this is, this is the, the, almost throughout the entirety of the Gospels, you'll find this interaction back and forth with Jesus and the Pharisees. But on all of that, I want you to notice uh, some things about the Father that we can learn. So look with me in John chapter number 5 and verse number 16. The Bible says, 
Therefore, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Let me just stop here and say this as well, uh, because I, I, I just recently bumped into this again. I saw this uh, just this week, uh, an article about, oh, should we keep the Sabbath? Uh, listen, as Christians, we do not need to keep the Sabbath. Uh, and Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. My, I remember my grandfather even got uh, tied up in that a little bit. My, my dad uh, would give testimony uh, that, uh, that, you know, my, my grandpa wrestled with that a little bit. Hey, well, are we supposed to keep, is Sunday the Christian Sabbath? No, the, the Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Matter of fact, Sunday, the Bible calls it as the Lord's Day. And, uh, and so we ought to dedicate it as a day to the Lord. Uh, but it's not the Sabbath day. And if it was the Sabbath day, all of you just broke it anyways. Because I'm sure that you traveled farther than you're supposed to travel uh, on the Sabbath day. And so you already broke the Sabbath day. And, uh, and so uh, I'm just saying the law was given to us to show us that we are imperfect. And that we cannot keep the law. And so I just want to throw that out there as well. Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees were upset. Verse number 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought more, the more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For the Father raiseth up the dead, and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. I'm sure that the Pharisees did not like that either because uh, they again rejected Jesus Christ as God, but we know very clearly that He is God. Verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be gathered in your house. And God, as we look at the Heavenly Father this morning, God, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. And God, I pray that you would just uh, help us uh, to learn and to grow closer to you, Father. And God, if there's one that does not know you this morning, I pray, Father, that your, your Holy Spirit would touch their heart, show them their need for salvation. God, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in you today. And God will thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray.
Amen. As we think about the Heavenly Father here, the passage gives us a lot of information about the Father. And I want you to notice, we're just going to pull some things uh, that we see in the text here and, and really cover those. But the Bible says in verse number, uh, verse number 17, But Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. And I want you to notice this about the Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father labors. He does work. Uh, you know, sometimes we're, we're here on earth. We cannot see God. The Bible says that, uh, that, that He's not visible. And, uh, and listen, what you can't see, it's hard for you to imagine the fact that He is working. But He does work. Go back with me all the way to the beginning. Genesis, save your spot here in, in John chapter 5 as we'll be back here. But go with me to Genesis chapter number 1. And I want you to notice here in creation, uh, we always go back to the foundation. I love the book of Genesis uh, because it is the foundation, the building block of the Bible. And it's the first book of the Bible and teaches us much that we need to know and understand about God and about creation. But the Bible says here in Genesis chapter number 1, and verse number 31, the Bible says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We, in, in Genesis chapter number 1, you'd have to go back and read it, but basically it describes all of creation. And basically it's this, God spoke and it came, to, and it came about. God spoke and the light became light. God spoke and the world was. God spoke and the waters divided. And all of those things, God is speaking, but yet God is creating everything that exists. You say, preacher, do you believe that? I absolutely believe it. It's written in the Word of God. And listen, all the scientists and all, all of man's wisdom that he can muster up uh, can come with all the proofs that they want against the Word of God, but I can launch as many questions about them and against their proofs and their science as they can against my Bible. And so it boils down to where are you going to put your faith? Are you going to trust in God or are you going to trust in man's philosophies? I don't know about you, but I've seen enough air in man's philosophies throughout my short time on this world to know this, that man is not perfect. And the philosophies that he comes up with generally are flawed and not correct. And so I'll just take God's word for it. Thank you very much. It's faithful and it's true. And so we find in the beginning that God created everything. Hey, go on with me in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And verse number 2, And on the seventh day God, may, uh, God ended what? His work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And I'm just telling you that right from the very get-go, from the creation of the world, from the time the world was founded, and perhaps even before that, but we don't have a record of before that, but we know this and understand this, that God is a God of work. He expects work. 
We find in the New Testament, back in our text, in John chapter number 5, that that Jesus said this. He said, My Father worketh hitherto. And listen, God gives us an example right from the very beginning that men should work. And not only that, but in, uh, I've already went back to John, but in uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 15, you know what he did? He created the garden and then he put man in it and he told Adam, he said this, and the Lord God uh, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. He expected Adam to be in that garden to dress it and to keep it. Now listen, that was before sin even entered the picture. God's intention was that, hey, I'm working, creating the world, and that I'm going to put man in it, and man also is to be working. And so we find that the Heavenly Father, uh, He establishes the idea of work in the very beginning of creation, and He puts man to work even before sin comes into the picture. Now, obviously, sin complicates things. We know that. That's a scriptural principle. And I can prove it to you because as you go down through scripture, you'll find in Genesis chapter 3 that man sins and God pronounces a curse upon man that he says, by the sweat of his brow. And listen, he says also that in the garden, you know what's going to come up? Weeds. Man, do I hate weeds. Weeds make things look bad. I, I, last year, I battled the weeds all year long in, in, in the flower beds around the church. And man, uh, it, it, was, it was terrible. I, I just hate weeds. I, I think they look bad. And, and this year, man, I, I set to war again, man. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have those weeds out there. Now, my, my yard looks bad. It, I'll confess to you. But I'm like, I want, the, I want God's house to look nice. And so I'm not letting the weeds grow in God's house. And so, uh, so man, and they, man, they popped up. I tell you what, weeds are horrendous things. But God expects man to work. And Heavenly Father, He works. And thank God for that. Uh, listen, God never intended, go with me to, to Proverbs chapter number six. Again, save your spot, John. We will be back there. But Proverbs chapter number six, I, I love this passage for, for a few reasons. But Proverbs chapter number six, God never intended man to be lazy. We live in probably one of the, uh, I don't want to say the laziest society, but I tell you what, there is, uh, since COVID, People find every excuse to not work. And it seems like that the work ethic in America has declined gratefully, or a lot, greatly. I don't know statistics. I can't give you anything like that. But I'm just telling you that man in his laziness has started to prevail in our day and age. Proverbs chapter number 6, the Bible says this in verse number 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways. Be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of thy hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. 
Listen, I'm just saying that God didn't intend for man to be lazy, but he intended for man to work. And listen, God himself is not lazy. God provided us the example in creation. He gave us the example of Adam in working and laboring. And listen, not only that, but go back in our text of John chapter number 5, and he says this, uh, but Jesus answering, uh, answered them, My Father worketh. That little E-S, I know E-T-H, I said E-S, <laughs> that's not it, E-T-H, is a continuing action in a verb. It's not worked, which is past tense. It's not working, as in currently right now, but worketh, which means he has been working, continues to work, and will continue to go forward working. And I'm just saying that the Lord, uh, the Father, the Heavenly Father, continues to work. And I thank God for that. What is his business? What is his work today? Listen, it is restoring fellowship with mankind. That's what he desires. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, Jesus says, hey, I I'm working. The Father is working. And the works that I do are the works of the Father. Well, what was Jesus' work? Jesus' work here on this earth was to redeem man to back to God. We find that the Bible says in John 3, uh, 14 and verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hey, listen, the only way to get to the Father is through the work of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. One cross, one crucifixion. That's all it needed so that every person could be saved and born again. Hey, and listen, it's now our turn to decide, hey, do we trust him? Do we call on him for salvation? Or do we say, ah, not yet. But Jesus Christ is the only way. Anchor Baptist Church cannot save you. Baptismal waters cannot save you. You can drop $1,000 in the offering, and I would say thank you, but it won't save you. You could drop a million dollars. You could drop a billion dollars. And I would still say thank you, but it won't save you. Because all the money, all the good works that we can muster, all the religious acts that we can do can not save people. Jesus Christ saves people. And he's the only way to get to the Father. It's the continued work. And we see the Heavenly Father labors. Not only does the Heavenly Father labor, but I want you to notice in verse number 19 in our text, he said in verse number 17, my Father worketh hitherto and I work. In verse number 19, then answered Jesus and said unto them, verily, verily I say unto you, the Son of Man or the Son, excuse me, can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth these also doeth the son likewise. I remember when I was a teenager, and, uh, and uh, I, I remember, I, I forget who it was, it might have been my mom, uh, one of our family, I, I don't remember, I, I walked across the room and, and they said, he walks just like his dad. And I thought, huh, I never really noticed that. As a matter of fact, the more, the older I get, the more and more I realize, man, I act just like my dad. 
Why is that? Well, you're laughing because you know, you know, we all do that. We, you just, why is that? Well, because there's inherent traits that are there. But listen, as well, there's a lot that you see and that you mimic and that you pick up. Jesus said, the works that my fathers do, that's what I do. I've seen how he works. I've seen the things that he does. And I do the same things that my father does. And what I'm saying is this, that the father uh, will teach or lecture his children. Listen, a father has been around for a while. He's learned a few things. And, and listen, there's things that, that, that fathers know and, and they pass along to their children. And, and listen, that's a good thing. And, uh, and listen, the heavenly father has a lot of things that he wants to pass down to his children. Hey, he wants to teach us. He wants to instruct us. We find that is his desire. The Bible says way back in Deuteronomy, we won't go there for sake of time, but in Deuteronomy chapter number one, uh, he says this, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. He goes on in verse 35 and 36 and he says this, unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord he is God and there is none else beside him out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee upon the earth and he showed thee his great, uh, his great fire and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire we learn very early on in the Bible that hey God wants to give instruction to mankind. He wants to teach. The Heavenly Father desires to lecture and, and, and that we would learn and we find that. Listen, the old saying is true. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Hey, listen, it's up to us to actually learn. Uh, he'll give out all the instruction. He'll give us what we need. But listen, if we don't spend time reading the Word of God, if we don't spend time learning the Word of God, then listen, it is not doing us any good. I had a project this past week. This past week, I've been working on redoing our kitchen and and uh, and our cupboard doors. Uh, I wanted to paint them all. Man, I I, I like tools. I, I'll just confess to you, I like tools. And, and so, man, I got this new tool. I got this painter thing, and I was going to paint the side of my house with it, my garage door, and that, that's really what I got it for. And, and I said, man, I, this thing, it does everything. I can, do, I can do the cupboard doors as well. And so, uh, man, I, I got that. I opened it all up. Instruction packets, set that. Who need? I mean, I've painted before. I know how to paint. And so, man, I, I got this thing out and, man, I put it all together. And, man, I went out and I, I don't know, there was probably 20 doors. I, I don't remember. And, man, I, I sprayed them all and, and got them all sprayed. And, and I'm thinking, man, I'm not for sure about that. But then rather than just wait for the paint, you know, I flip them and, and paint the other side and, and, uh, and, and then waited for them to dry. And I tell you what, man, those things looked awful. It was bad. I worked in a paint shop. I worked at a, in a sign company. I worked with the paint, paint, the paint guy. I know what good paint looks like. I know how to lay good paint, but that was a terrible job. There's just there two ways about it. 
And, and I was under the gun to get everything done. And so, uh, man, I, I went back and, and I, I thought, well, you know, once they dry, it'll be okay and they'll look okay. And so I put them all up in the kitchen. It looked worse in the kitchen. I don't the light. I don't know what happened, but when I when I went from the the painting uh, outside to bring them inside and hang them, I mean they got worse. It was bad. And and ultimately we we had to sand them down and we had to repaint them. And 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 it took twice as long. And I thought, man, I, I'm not one to be whipped. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out, and I'm going to whip this thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what I did wrong. And so I went back and, and, and started looking at my manual, and I realized that it came with two things. And, and the thing that I had used was for big bulk jobs that's not detail. But the other thing that was there, if I had used that, that was made for finishing work, for doing cupboard doors. So I got that one out, put it all together. And I took a couple of the doors. I was not taking them all down. We, we didn't take them all down. We just, some of the ones, we sanded them right there and just painted them right there with a roller. They looked better, a lot better. So we, I got that other one, and man, I got my sprayer out. Man, I just painted. Man, the paint was laying right. Everything was going smooth. And, and I tell you what, man, they, they looked really good. You know what would have saved me a lot of trouble? if I had just stopped and read the instruction manual. I would have saved myself hours, literally hours of work and labor. You know what the average person does? They lay aside God's instruction manual for their life, set it aside, and they go about life living their life the way that they want to, how they think it is best. And after all, they know how to do it. They've seen it done. They've watched everyone else do it. And they're going to live their life the way that they want to live it. And once they've messed it up, and once it doesn't look as nice as it really ought to look, then they're going to come back and they're going to say, maybe... Maybe I do need that instruction manual. Maybe I need to look at what it says. Listen, God desires to instruct us. He's given us everything that we need to know about life and godliness in the Word of God. The problem is we don't accept or acknowledge God's instruction manual. We live our life our way trying to figure it out. And ultimately, when things end in a disaster, we're like, you know what, maybe I ought to consult God's instruction manual at this point in my life. How much time could you save? How much nicer would things turn out if you would just consult God's manual from the very get-go and follow God's word? He desires to instruct you. He's given you the word of God. He's given you a place to attend where the word of God is preached and taught and given out. And listen, he desires to help you. But if we don't learn, and if we're going about all of our things our way, boy, we can end up for, in a mess. The Heavenly Father desires to teach us, to lecture us. Not only does He labor 
Not only does he lecture, but look with me in verse number 20 in our text. The Heavenly Father, in verse number 20, the Bible says, For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Being manly doesn't mean abrasive, harsh, hard, unkind. Sometimes we equate manliness or being a man with, with, uh, with um, harshness or uh, hardness. Uh, listen, that's, that's not at all the case. Uh, I know our society has really messed things up and, and, and put in us a, a false understanding of many things. But I'll say this, that listen, uh, men and fathers should be strong and tough and not effeminate as the Bible teaches. But we ought to be loving, kind, and compassionate as well. And those two things are not opposite. They're not polar opposite. They're not extremes. Matter of fact, they encapsulate one uh, and they go together to represent the Father's love. In our verse 20, notice this, the Father loveth the Son. It's emphatically stated, the Father loveth the Son. Listen, when you have a child, it's just unexplicable uh, that, that when you have a child, man, it's like, wow, this is, our, this is my child. Man, i got to protect it. I've got to take care of this child. And these fatherly ideas of, hey, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect my child and, and my love for my child are intrinsic. They just happen. And listen, uh, we understand that. That's fine. But understand, too, that our Heavenly Father loves us. Sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our mind around that. Listen, he does care for us. He does love us. The Bible says here that he loves the son, and he certainly did love the son and does love the son. But listen, he also loves us. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. He doesn't like us or love us because we are uh, saved and, and children of God, though he does love us uh, as well. But listen, he didn't start loving us because we got saved, because we trusted him as our personal Savior. He loved us, the Bible says, before we ever loved him. He loved us when we were spitting in his face and going the other direction. That's when he started loving us and cared for us at that point. The Bible says that he loved us while we were yet sinners. That's not the same as acceptance. Understand that you can love somebody but disagree with the direction they're going. And that is the love of the Father. It was not an acceptance of our sin. It was not a, well, you know, whatever they do is okay. No, that wasn't it. But He cared enough for us that He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to die on the cross of Calvary. Why? To pay for your sins and mine. Because he loves us. And listen, you have to understand and recognize, listen, maybe you didn't have an earthly father growing up. Maybe, maybe you didn't have that good godly example. But can I tell you that the heavenly father 
loves you this morning. He cares about you. And he wants you and your life to be changed for the better. He cares about you. That's why the Bible says over and over, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God cares about us. God loves us. God cares about you. And listen, the Bible says in John 1, 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now listen, he loves us even as his children. And he cares about us and he wants us to do well. Hey, listen, the Heavenly Father this morning, he labors. He's a worker. We ought to be workers. The Heavenly Father lectures, he teaches, he desires for us to know. That's why he gave us the word of God that we can study. Not only that, but the Heavenly Father loves us and cares about us. I'm grateful for God's love. He loves us and cares about us. What examples that we can learn as fathers, parents, as Christians to labor, lecture, and love. Those are things that, hey, we need to, maybe, maybe not so much lecture as much as learn from the lectures that he's giving. Those are things that we need to implicate in our life and practice and learn and abide by as we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your example of labor, your lecture, your love toward us. And God, as people, as sinful people, God, we desire to learn, we desire to walk closer to you. God, I pray that you'd help us to labor like you labored. I pray that you'd help us to learn from your teaching, from your word. Not to lay aside your word, the manual for our life, and think that we can live on our own, but help us to learn from the lessons that you would teach us in your word. And God, help us to learn to love like you love. Help us to learn from your love. And God, if there's one person that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, they're lost in their sin. I pray, God, that they would turn to you today and put their faith and trust in you for salvation. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Whatever the need. Just to look at the Heavenly Father this morning. His labor, His lectures, and His love.
Thank you.